grace and mercy and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Alice and I have taken thousands of pictures, I don't even know the number, around the world as we travel. Just as, you know, uh, you take with your camera, we had, years ago, we didn't have a camera like you did, with your phones and so forth. And I see people taking pictures, especially of food. You know, you can see it on Facebook. Most of the pictures are food. Yeah. But we have taken lots of pictures, and and she has taken more than I have. But, uh, you know, I love the pictures where we get together and somebody else takes a picture of us as a couple. And uh, I'd like to show you one picture of us as a couple. Now, that's not a photograph. It's a portrait done by an artist. The artist happened to live right across the the road from us. And he became a great friend, and he did some of the pictures in my book. This is one of the pictures from the book. And what a joy it is. And he had to study us in order to figure out how to draw. It wasn't just a snapshot, it was a portrait. And so it takes an effort to do a portrait. And what a blessing. He was a great artist. He was the artist of our community. And he had done pictures around town and so forth of other individuals. And we just became good friends. In fact, I grieved greatly when he died. He was 92. And he was a poet as well. And rich as poet. And uh, you would have enjoyed him immensely. And he would have his annual poem at Christmas and Easter and so forth in the Frankenmuth News or the newspaper. Well, I'm saying all this because we're going to take a look at John, the book of John. And what John is, is a portrait, not just a snapshot. It is more than that. John studied the other synoptic gospels and said what's in them now I know a lot about Jesus and I want to share some more things now Matthew Mark and Luke were pretty much written that's the same same way that had different events and so forth but John now decides I'm going to do a different approach I'm going to try and share a lot of different things in the book of John that's not in the other three. And so John, there's actually uh, uh, 90% of what John writes about is not in the other books. And so we learn a lot more about the life of Jesus from John. Also, if you want to figure out the theme, this is one way you can do it. What does John mention a hundred and about 170 times or plus in the book of John, he uses the words Jesus Christ or Jesus or Christ. And so he's mentioned hundred uh, that many times. And then there's one other word that's mentioned a, a lot in 
book of John, and that is the words believe or believe. So guess what the theme of John is? Believe about Jesus Christ. That's the theme of this whole book. Now we're going to take and just look at the 14 verses of the last chapter, the first 14 during this sermon. But I have to start at the two verses that came just before chapter 21. And let me read them to you. You don't have them on the screen. You're going to go back. And, well, let's go back to uh, our gospel lesson. And you can watch it here, or if you got your Bible or phone app or, or has a Bible, um, you can go to the last chapter of John. And as we go through the last chapter, I think it's good to look at the two verses prior to that. 30 and 31 of chapter 20. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe, there it is, believe, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You know what, I'm going to, is that mic ringing or something? It seems like it's too loud. Is that for you? Is that okay? Okay, I just want to be sure it didn't bother you, distract you. Okay, now, that, it, to me, seems like it should be the end of the book. It just got through saying, well, there's a lot of other things uh, that could be written so that you may believe in Jesus Christ. Doesn't that sound like the end? And what it, chapter 21 is, is like a PS, a postscript. It's a, okay, uh, there's one more thing I have to tell you. And in this little section, we're not going to go through the whole chapter. We're just taking the first 14 verses. But again, it's talking about the salvation of, that God, uh, Jesus provides. And it also talks about Paul. Or, say that, I said that wrong. It talks about Peter and being reconciled with Jesus. And he goes through and asks Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Because, again, it's referring back to his denial. Now, it would, why did he include this P.S.? Like, you know, if we'd have gone right into the book of Acts, who's the first main character in the book of Acts, the first nine chapters, it happens to be Peter. Now, it could be he didn't want anybody to question whether or not he was reconciled with the Lord. So, uh, we find out in this chapter, uh, the last one in John, he was made uh, back together, reconciled. They were okay with each other. 
Jesus was okay. He was okay. So that we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the first 14 verses and see if we, because that's our gospel lesson for today. So we go in, and I'm going to just walk through it with you this time. I'm not going to, I don't have a great theological sermon here. I'm just taking a little, little bit as we walk through. Now you have to remember the setting. Again, uh, it's another fish story. And we've had fish stories before. But this is another fish story. Now this one is true. <laughs> it's not some made-up fish story where got, fish got away. But uh, the disciples had a very emotional time during starting with Palm Sunday. They were at the mountaintop experience. They had been with Jesus for three years. And that was, you know, really great. And now they thought, boy, he's going to do his thing in Jerusalem. And he was going to declare himself king of kings. And, and all of a sudden, Good Fridays shows up. And the whole thing turned around. And they went down in their emotions. They came off the mountaintop, and they were at the bottom. And he dies. They couldn't believe it. He died. And they had to go through that, that Friday and that Saturday. But on Sunday, back to the mountaintop. He's alive. And that was just an emotional roller coaster that's going up and down in their lives. Now, he is telling them, uh, go to Galilee. Well, he was told twice, once by an angel and once by Jesus, to go to Galilee. Okay, let's go to Galilee. Now, we don't know how long it took him or when Jesus appeared to him again. But we do know it has to be a while because it takes a, a few days to walk to Galilee. If it's about 100 miles, you can't walk much more than 20 or so per day. So uh, it took him at least a week to get up. Now they're sitting out in Galilee and they don't know what to do. Listen to us. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Tiberias is the Sea of Galilee. Okay? Uh, just another name. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana, and in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. So they've been hanging around not doing much, losing their patience probably, and not understanding, what do I do now? What's, what do we got to do today? And we're just supposed to wait up here? The details are not told to us. But what happens? After that, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Sounds like a good thing to do. Uh, some theologians think he shouldn't Said, said that because he was told that he was now going to be fisherman and men. But I think Tom, or Peter was just a man of action. And he decided, i got to fill my time some way, so I'm going to go fishing. Now it shows that he's a leader because what happened after that? I'm going fishing. They said to him, well, we'll go with you. Nobody else suggested it. 
So he, he must have been a leader of the group. And he says, okay, I'm going fishing. Anybody else want to go fishing? He said, we'll go with you. Let's fill our time somehow. Now, some people are critical of that. But maybe they were hungry. You know, they just decided, I need the money. To, if we're going to go out, we need some money. What are we? We are fishermen. We're professional fishermen. So we're going to go out and go fishing. And so that's what they did. They went out fishing. And we will go with you. And they went out and got into a boat. What boat? I don't know. But probably they had friends or their own old boats. Three years ago, they owned, you know, their parents and so forth. And another, they knew. They got a couple of boats, anyway, one boat, and went fishing. And he's, um, Jesus said, no, excuse me. Uh, they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Well, they were professional fishermen, and they knew that night was the best time to catch fish for them. Uh, so they went at night. I have gone at night fishing, and it was in Nigeria. And the same thing that happened to them happened to us. We did not get a bite. We spent the whole night. And we finally gave up about 4 o'clock and went in. But we didn't stay till dawn. Maybe that was our problem. Right? We didn't, the Lord didn't show up on that one. But you get frustrated. And you get disappointed. And you just don't, oh, man. And I had my two sons that I wanted to show how uh, to fish. Now, that's not how to show them when you don't catch anything. But that's part of fishing. And part of the joy of just being out there and so forth. So here are these guys. They're out in the boat and they caught nothing. Just listen to the next verses now. Verse, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So it was about 100 yards, maybe a little farther than this. You could probably couldn't tell uh, who it was that was talking to him. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? It's like friends. Do you have any fish? And what is their answer? No. You think they, they, were pro- they weren't going to talk about it. They just said, no. <laughs> they just, that's all they wanted to say. They didn't want to talk anymore about it. And then he, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. You will find some. Now they've been fishing all night. You think they didn't fish on both sides of the boat before? <laughs> sure they did. And the boat probably wasn't much wider than seven or eight feet. Now what difference does it make if I put the net here or put it over here? And he is telling these, and it's a stranger on land, and he, he was not the professional fisherman. Okay, can you kind of grudgingly, I suppose, that Peter and John and said, well, doesn't hurt. Let's do it one more time. Throw them out there. And now, and as he, they cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find the same, uh, some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. 
Now we know from verse 11 later on, they were large fish. They were whoppers, as I would say. They were huge. And the net didn't break. And they couldn't even pull them on the, the boat. And as they were doing that, I'm sure that John was sitting there thinking, hey, several years ago, about three years ago, something like this happened before. You remember the story where they, John, uh, Jesus had told them to pull out on that, and I want to preach from your boat. Remember that story? And he turns around, preaches to the people on the shore, and then what did he tell them to do afterwards? To go fishing. Let's go back out and go fishing. And what happened? They filled the boats and they almost sank because they had so much fish. Now John is probably thinking, aha, now we're catching more fish. I think this happened. And he looks up and he looks a little closer and he couldn't take off his glasses or have binoculars, but he t- tunes in and really said, hey, I think this is the Lord. Peter, that's the Lord over there telling us to do that. And what happens? Well, Peter puts, now, puts on his coat. He had probably stripped down to his shorts because he was working. And he puts his top covering back over with some kind of a robe and plunges into the Sea of Galilee. He's taking he I want to if that's the Lord, I want to get closer. And so that's what he does. And it's the that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Now this wasn't uh, you know, seemed a little silly because you put your outer garment, it's going to take you longer to swim. But he does it, and he wants to be dressed appropriately when he gets to the shore, I suppose. But can you imagine the drag <laughs> that's going on and with trying to swim in this outfit? Uh, the other disciples came along in the boat, dragging the net. They never did pull it on the boat. They just dragged the net in. For they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards. That's a, for Americans that know American football field, that's about how far they were. Um, maybe it would be that for soccer too. So that's how far they were. They weren't that far away. So they pulled the whole thing in. Now, when they got out on land, by the way, Peter beat them. He got there before they did. And can you imagine, uh, he comes dripping in. What does that, it prepared for him? I know it's cold in the Sea of Galilee because I swam in it one time. And it was cold. But, and it was like June when we were there. So if it hadn't warmed up from winter yet, and I'm sure it probably wasn't that warm for these guys or for Peter. But anyway, uh, he was, went by the fire. And here Jesus was taking care of his physical needs. Now this all took place before he asked him, do you love me? And so when they got out on the land, they saw a 
charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. And they decided we have to count them. One, two, three, four, five, six. So wait, Jesus, I, we still have to count. Uh, can't have breakfast yet because we have to count. Now why would they count them? And why would they be so concerned about counting their fish? As professional fishermen, that's what they would have done. Because they were going to take them to the market. And they were going to sell them. And so they needed to know how many fish they had. And so they had these large fish, so they're going to count them out. And Jesus had to wait till they counted them. 153, I don't know why it would be important to have 153, but that's what they counted. And so they counted their fish, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Again, he's concerned about their physical needs here. Now none of the disciples dared ask him. They didn't talk much. They were pretty quiet. They were awestruck. This is Jesus. Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. See, they didn't have to ask. They just knew it. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he had risen from the dead. Okay, they were great, big, large fish. It is the Lord. He was taking care of their physical needs. That should clue us in what we should do. It's hard for people to listen to us about their spiritual needs if they have all kinds of physical needs. So that's how we can use this story to remind us that we need to take care of people's physical needs. And as you do that, then they can say, well, why are you doing this? And you can respond, because I love the Lord and I want to be his servant and I want to serve you. I want to be Jesus to you personally. Jesus with skin on. There's several other lessons that I think we should pick up from this. One is that the disciples, what did they do after they uh, told Jesus, no, we don't have any fish after fishing all night. And Jesus tells them, well, put your nets out on the right side. Guess what they did? They did it. Even though they thought, well, this guy doesn't know anything about fishing. They did it anyway. And that's a good lesson for us. When we, Jesus tells us to do something, we do it. And so as we do it, one of the things that happens, it becomes abundance. Now, what am I talking about there? They, to catch that many fish was unusual. And big fish. And so whenever God is, or Jesus is involved in, in a situation in your life, he can end it with abundance. Now think of what happened with the little boy and his lunch in feeding 5,000. Guess what? He ends up having leftovers for feeding 5,000 people. Jesus did things in abundance. Remember when he changed water into wine? 
They had plenty of wine. He did something in abundance. And as you need God's help in your life, stick with him, be patient. God is going to do things in your life beyond your understanding. The impossible becomes possible with Jesus. And that's the kind of lesson that you want to learn from this particular little story. The other thing I think you can learn from this story is the fact that what did Peter want to do right when he found out it was the Lord? John told him, hey, it's the Lord. Well, he wanted to be near Jesus. And so he jumps in and starts swimming toward the shore to be near Jesus. Guess what? That teaches me. I want to be near Jesus in my life and I will do everything possible to be sure that I'm near Jesus and let him tell me how to lead my life. So I don't want that gap between God and me. I want to narrow it as much as possible. I want to be right with Jesus all the time and he will help me do the impossible and make it possible. That's the challenge that I would like to give you from this particular story. You are Easter people. And you need to remember that. You are sealed to Jesus Christ in your baptism. And that makes you different. And that's why you have to be patient. Sometimes when we want things done, we want it now. And just be patient. Peter wasn't so patient. He decides, I'm going fishing. Yet, it's a positive thing. God can turn that into a blessing. And so, Christ is our Savior. John wants you to know that. And he wants you to believe it. For Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He has conquered death for you. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.